Our scripture verses this morning come from two books, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Romans. From, from the 12th chapter of Romans, verses 9 through 13, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another, showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 14 to 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Today on this first Sunday of Advent, we begin a new sermon series uh, based on um, Dr. Grinch, Dr. Grinch, <laughs> Dr. Seuss's uh, Christmas classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And uh, the author wrote, wrote this story in 1957. Some of you were born then, and but most, some of us were not. But the the story follows this grouchy, miserable Grinch who lives on Mount Crumpet. You probably know the story. He's living in isolation up above the town of Whoville. He, he has a companion, a dog named Max. The Grinch, the Grinch sees the Who's decorations, their presents, their songs, and he hates it. He hates Christmas. He comes up with this wonderful, awful plan to punish the Who's or just uh, steal their Christmas um, joy by taking their food and their presents and their decorations. He puts on this Santa outfit and dresses his, his little dog Max in a reindeer costume. And, and on Christmas Eve, he hooks up Max to this big old sleigh and goes down to the city and begins to steal the Who's Christmas decorations and presents and food while they're sleeping. In the first house, he has a surprise. Cindy Lou Who um, interrupts him. And she says, Santa, what are you doing? And he lies and says, oh, I'm just going to take this light and that's not working and fix it and bring it right back. He gives the child a glass of water and sends her back to bed and finishes his job. After taking all the presents, all the food, all the decorations, he climbs Mount Crumpet and he waits on Christmas morning for the wailing and the crying to begin. He just waits. And to his astonishment, the Grinch does not hear weeping and wailing, but he hears singing. His plan didn't work. What happened? 
Even without the packages, the food, the decorations, Christmas came anyway. And after about three hours of wondering what happened, his heart grows three sizes. He returns the gifts to the joyfully singing who's, and the story ends with the Grinch cutting the, the roast beast at the head of the table. That's basically the story. Of course, there have been TV adaptions. There's been movie adaptations that, uh, that, that show backstories and things. But the basic story is, is that, I think. When Dr. Seuss was writing this story, he wanted to avoid writing a Christmas story that was sappy and sentimental and moralistic. I guess he was sick of that. And as he thought about Christmas, Dr. Seuss said, you know, I don't like sleigh bells. It's so funny, us in the South, we can't have a good Christmas song without sleigh bells, can we? Have you ever heard a sleigh bell in real life? or rode, ridden on a one-horse open sleigh. You know, it's just not something we do in Alabama, is it? Um, too much. We don't have that opportunity. I do have a story I could tell you about a one-horse sleigh that um, our family rode one time in eastern northern Europe, but that's another story. So when, when Grinch, when Su Dr. Seuss was thinking about this, he didn't like sleighs. He didn't like all the garish decorations of Christmas. And as he thought about it, he had a lot to work with, um, with his own um, issues with Christmas. So he came up with this ill-tempered, mischievous Grinch. In the TV adaptation, there's this wonderful song that describes the Grinch. And you could sing it with me. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a hill. You're as cuddly as a cactus. I love that. <laughs> You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole, and that's the key. His heart was an empty hole, but was it? The song goes on and on and on, putting the Grinch down, all the negative things you could think about. But we get the idea, the Grinch is not a happy, wonderful character that you want at your Christmas dinner. But what is it about this story that appeals to us? Why, why does, do we love this story? Um, it, 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 the Grinch is self-absorbed. He's irritable. He's irritated by the joy of others. And I have to confess, maybe there's a little bit of Grinch in all of us. I confess that when I'm not at my best, I too am pretty self-absorbed. And I have mean thoughts toward others sometimes, probably more often than I would like to admit. You probably don't, but I do. I get irritated sometimes, and I have to really watch myself. The who's, however, are better than that. They're better than the Grinch. The who's experience what we like, what I would think is a disaster. They rose above it. And they sang up 
a made-up language song that sounded like Latin. The, the who's are better than us, I think. I think if someone had stolen all of my Christmas presents and decorations and food that I'd worked so hard preparing, I wouldn't just get up on Christmas morning and sing. I'd be a little irritated. How about you? What is the who's secret? What, what, why are the who's different than us? When they sing Welcome Christmas, they, it's like they realize they are not the center of the celebration. They aren't the center of it. Not, it's not about their birthday. Sometimes I think we think Christmas is about us and it's like our birthday. But it's not our birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. And the who's get it. Their gratitude turns into happiness. We live in a culture that goes overboard decorating for Christmas. I confess, we do too at our house. I like it. I like all those Christmas decorations. I don't like putting them up and I don't like taking them down, but I like looking at them and enjoying them and I love the joy that it brings um, others. But we know deep down that Christmas is more than decorations and food and presents and gift giving and colored lights. And the Who's knew it too. Because the miracle is that they were not bitter on Christmas morning. They just sang together heart to heart and hand to hand. There's several things that Dr. Seuss doesn't tell us. He doesn't address uh, why the Grinch hates Christmas so much. Why did he live in an isolated cave on Mount Crumpet? We don't know. In the Jim Carrey movie adaptation, the storyline is made up about the Grinch's past. Well, we'd all like to, to know why. And, the, and in that movie, well, it was, you know, lost love. He was mistreated as a child in school. But in the original story, Dr. Seuss doesn't address that. He leaves us to wonder. I think we can relate to the Grinch because the Grinch is just angry. We don't know why he's angry. He's just angry. I have been angry sometimes, and I didn't know why, too. It's easy to get angry this year, these days, especially this year. We just look at the news or Twitter or Facebook, or we just look at the bumper sticker on the car next to us at the, at the stoplight, and we might get a little flash of anger. Anger may help us feel powerful, but it doesn't help us seek solutions. When we're angry, we look at our opponents with contempt, even if we keep it hidden. Jeremiah says that what we need to be angry about is injustice and oppression. Paul tells us in the Romans text that we have today to hate evil. I think you can get e angry about evil, that we need to fight it. But we also, Paul warns us not to repay evil with evil, but to overcome evil with good. According to Reverend Alan Brim, one of the first steps in overcoming evil with love is to realize that we all have similarities with those with whom we're angry with. In our smug attitudes, we, have, we may have violence in our, in our hearts, 
But you know, we have a lot more in common with the person that we're angry with than we may realize. If we respond in anger, we're likely just to perpetuate the evil that they are doing. Jesus encourages us to to respond to hatred with forgiveness, with peace and not hostility. Jesus encourages us to embrace those who do evil with mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. This is how the who's respond to Grinch. Maybe the who's went to church that morning on Christmas morning. (laughs) Just make that up. Be a good story. They went to church and they heard Pastor Paul read from Romans 12. And hearing these images from the scripture, it helped them to rise above the anger that they may have been feeling. Imagine if your presence had been stolen on Christmas and you go to church and you hear the, the scripture for the day. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be patient in suffering. Extend hospitality to strangers. Then if you continue in that wonderful section in Romans 8. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take a thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Hmm, how about that? Sometimes you just, the scripture just irritates you, doesn't it? If, you're, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. So there is a little, I'll get you there. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I said Romans 8, it's Romans 12. Go home and read Romans 12. It's great. So after the Christmas food decorations and presents had been stolen, the Who's didn't think the celebration was about them, but it's implied it was Jesus's celebration. Even though Dr. Seuss writing, he didn't mention Jesus in the message. He just mentions Christmas and the Christmas message. So the Who's come out and they sang, Fe who forest, a who doris. Welcome Christmas, bring your light. Fehu forest, ahu doris. Welcome in the cold at night. Welcome Christmas, fahu rabus. Welcome Christmas, dahu doris. Welcome Christmas while we stand heart to heart and hand to hand. The secret, the secret, I think is their heart to heart, their hand to hand. They're focused on something which is the source of their love, the source of Christmas. I think this is what Dr. Seuss is trying to get at. We can't really welcome Christmas until we're heart to heart and hand to hand.
when we're filled with anger and hurt and worry and resentment, we really can't be in a position to welcome Christ. We have four weeks of work to get ready to welcome Christ in this season of Advent. Before we can really welcome Christ, we've got to become at peace with ourselves and our neighbors. It's helpful, I think, at the beginning of a, a, a season, a Christian season like Advent, to say, what do I want to get out of this season? What is God calling me to work on this season, these next four weeks? What is a spiritual need in your life? What do you need or want from God so that you can be where you want to be, where God wants you to be. If you think, why do I want to do this in the next four weeks? You may just say, I just want to survive. (laughs) Valid, valid. You know, maybe you need to be at peace with yourself or God or others. It's good, I think, to try to identify something that that you want to work on during this Advent season. Write it down. So that you can put it, post it uh, on a mirror or something so that you'll be reminded to really be working on that during Advent. Whatever that particular need is. What the Grinch needed was love. Hearing the message of love. Through hearing that the Grinch listened as if uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 would call a more excellent way. After hearing in his heart his heart began to grow after hearing about this love. There is redemption for him. Even though he's a mean one, he's as cuddly as a cactus, and his heart is an empty hole, there is still room for redemption for the Grinch. Love finds a way. It takes several hours, but his heart begins to grow three sizes. This is the power of love. In the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, uh, there's this wonderful book called the Song of Songs. We don't really preach from it much. We don't do very much with it, but it's uh, it's really lovely. And uh, the first seven chapters is po- poems, poetic verse about uh, the love between two lovers, two humans. But then in the eighth chapter of Song of Songs, the the, the woman realizes that the source of this love is beyond either of the the lovers. She realized that this, the love that they have for each other is part of a bigger love. God is the source of this love. And it's in this moment that the woman's heart grows three sizes. The Song of Solomon says that this passion and love is as strong as the grave. And this love's flashes are flashes of fire, raging flame, which waters can't drown or put out. This is why Song of Solomon is in our Bible. Song of Songs is in the Bible because the the, the editors realize that the, it's not just poetry about love, but it's the poetry about the source of love. The reason love is so powerful is its source. And of course the source is God. So the reason the Grinch's heart grew three times is not that he heard a story about love, 
but that he experienced the power of love through the who's. The Grinch found that the who's knew that this love was not about them, but the source of love. The love was bigger than their village or food or decorations or presents. Dr. Seuss doesn't mention that welcome Christmas is welcoming God's love, but it has to be. What else causes our hearts to grow? Even non-religious people have experienced the miracle of love, even if they don't realize the source of love. Love is the most powerful force for personal change. It's the most powerful source for changing the world. Y'all might remember watching on television, maybe some of you went, I don't know, the royal wedding in, in London a few years ago when Bishop Michael Curry preached a, a wonderful sermon about love. And he said in that sermon, there's power in love to help and heal when nothing else can. There's power in love to lift up and liberate when nothing else will. There's power in love to show us the way to love. Bishop Curry challenged us to imagine a world where love was the way. What would that love, what would that world look like? He said that when love is the way, no child will go to bed hungry. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we'll lay down our swords and shields and fight no more. When love is the way, there's plenty of good room for all of God's children. When love is the way, we treat each other like we're actual family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of love. And as old Solomon says, it's as strong as a raging fire. It's this kind of love that causes our hearts to grow. Don't you think we need that kind of love in our world today? In our lives, our families, our communities, our church. Yes, there's plenty of darkness, but there's also a raging fire lighting up the world, and it's God's love. That's right. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O oh God, for your light, your love that spreads. We remember, O oh Lord, that when you were asked by a lawyer to sum up the teachings of Moses, you said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Help us during this Advent season get a taste of this love so that our hearts can grow. May we experience what is noble and forgiving. May this fire of love transform us so that we reflect your love like the who's in the way we treat our family, friends, and co-workers. If we're able to do this, it will be like discovering fire once more. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen.